come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that you're with us today. Thank you, Father God, that you'll use me to speak the articles of God. That as I minister this morning, Father God, I'll, that I'll make sounds and you'll make sense. That people will hear the voice behind my voice, Father God. That they'll hear the Spirit of God speaking to them, Father God. I submit all of me to you right now so that your will, your plan, and your purpose can be done in the lives of your people. And I thank you that this word will go forth with demonstration and with power to accomplish your will in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, the title of my sermon is A Better Covenant with Better Promises. Say that to your neighbor. Say it's a better covenant with better promises. Amen. And the word covenant, so many times, if I just, if I just take the word, it's not a word that's commonly used in the world today. Amen. The word covenant is not commonly used. We don't, we don't speak like that, even in business terms, whatever we're dealing. Even when people get married, it's a covenant. It's more than a contract. But many times we don't deal with it from the perspective of what it actually is. We don't use this word. We don't utilize this word much in our generation. And, and I think even when apostles started preaching on it last week, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and that's so wrong. Because everything in the word is based on covenant. <laughs> it's the old covenant and the new covenant. Amen? So if everything regarding His Word is covenant and we don't understand covenant or misappropriate the covenant, we will never walk in the fullness of what God has got for us. Amen? If we don't understand it to the degree that we should, we will never live by it. We will never appropriate it in our lives. We will never utilize the covenant the way that it's supposed to in order for us to walk in what we have to walk in. Hear me, covenant principles and the covenant of God, who is a covenant-keeping God, but the covenant that God has cut is the only way that you're going to fulfill your destiny. It's the only way. If we understand covenant and walk out of the covenant and live out of this covenant, it's the way that we will come into the destiny and the purpose that God has assigned and designed for us. Because when God made everything in Genesis chapter 1, remember sovereignly, He said in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, says, and God said, let us make man and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. He says, let them have dominion, let them have authority, let them have rulership over this realm. God says, I'm going to lock myself out. And I'm going to give them the authority. Meaning that in order for God to come into the earth, God's going to need permission from man. Amen? God's going to need permission. He's going to need an agreement in place with man in order to get into the earth. And He does that through covenant. Amen? So covenant agreements with God, when you're stepping into the covenant, it means you're walking in agreement with God and you and God now can partner in bringing the kingdom to pass in the earth. So covenants are not just little things. Covenants are kingdom administrative systems for the earth. It's the way God works with mankind to get His vision, His plan to progress in the earth. Amen. You can't be quiet on me this morning. Eh? So let's define covenant. A covenant, as per Miriam Webster's dictionary, says it's usually a formal, solemn, and binding agreement. A written agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. The Hebrew term, I'm not even going to try and say that word, okay? Covenant is from the root sense of cutting. 
because pacts or covenants were made by passing between cut pieces of flesh of an animal sacrifice. So covenant binds two parties together. It's a binding agreement. It's greater than a contract, and I'm going to share it with you now. But it's a binding agreement. Let me go on. It says, when covenants were cut in the Old Testament, animals were cut straight down the middle, laid on each side of each other, and the people that were making the covenant had to walk through the blood around the animals and come back to the center. Are you with me? And when they were cutting the covenant, when they were pronouncing the vows, when they were pronouncing the responsibilities and the oaths that were made in the covenant, when you see the animals that were split down the center and on each side, it was significant of the fact that if you break this covenant, that's the only way you get out. That's why I don't like when they say marriage is a contract. I love what the apostle makes. He says, you can leave me, but I'm going with you. <laughs> Why? Because there is no separation. The Bible even speaks of when man cuts covenant with his wife, it says that two have now become one flesh. You're no longer separate. That's why when people cut covenant, part of the covenant, uh, cutting the covenant is when blood is mixed. The Bible says the life is in the blood. So it's lives coming together and join as one. You know, you know I mean, I, I'm glad I never did it. I almost did it. But you know when you have blood brothers, you cut a piece, you cut a piece, we join our blood. As simple as it was when you were younger, you don't even realize the effect that that thing has in the spiritual realm. Because it's the tying of two lives. You know the saying that says blood is thicker than water? We deal with it in terms of family. It's not actually family. Blood is thicker than water means a blood covenant relationship is thicker than, a, than two siblings that share the same womb. So it's the water of the womb. Twins that share the same water in the womb, a blood covenant is thicker than that relationship. That's how you tie yourself together. That's why even on the marriage bed, that's why it's supposed to be that when a woman is a virgin, she has a thing called a hymen. And blood is shed on the night. Because it's a blood covenant. It's life coming together. You perform the vows, now there's blood. That's why it's too easy today for people. And hear me, this word is not to condemn anybody. Please hear me. There's the grace of the Lord. Amen. And God is a forgiving God. Amen. Are you with me? There's another chance in Jesus. Amen. There's another chance. You've got to say it better than that. There's another chance in Jesus. I'm just saying this to you because you can see how God even made people. How he made the anatomy, the body, to even consummate the marriage through covenant. That was in God's mind. We didn't make that thing. A hymen was made in God's design because he knew that blood had to be shed in order for two to become one. That's why you can annul, oh, I don't know if you can anymore, you can annul a marriage if they did not, if there was no sexual intimacy on the night. I don't know if that's law anymore, but before, a marriage could legally be annulled if there was no sexual intimacy on the night. Why? Because it didn't seal the covenant. Amen? So covenant is binding. 
That's why when you say till death do us part, is for reals. It was so binding, in fact, that if two families came together and we were going to come together and we were going to cut this covenant for whatever reason, whether it was for land, marriage, blah, 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 blah. So we're going to come into agreement. Me and Frank, we come together. We say we're cutting covenant today. We do the whole procedure. Everything works out. And I choose to break that covenant. My own family will hand me over to him to take me out. Or they themselves will take me out. Why? Because there was blessings proclaimed. If you keep the covenant, and if you break the covenant, there were curses proclaimed. The reason why I'm saying this is because I want you to understand the depth and the importance of a covenant relationship that you're in with God. It's not something flimsy. It's not something light. Components of covenant. I'm going to go through this very quickly. I'm just trying to lay a foundation. Number one, Components. There are various components of covenant. Number one is promises or oaths would be made. These promises, listen to me, these promises were unbreakable. Say unbreakable. You see how society has taught us to get out of stuff so quickly. Hey, It's easy to get out of stuff. I mean, we write contracts in business with a way to get out. Let me not say that. Okay. Number two, blood had to be shed. Number three, there had to be a bloody path. Two members had to walk through two dead pieces of animal with blood in between. There were blessings and cursings. That's why in the Old Testament, if you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, if you do this, these are the blessings. Amen. Then it says, but if you don't do this, then there's the curses. That is what was proclaimed in a covenant. Number five, it's the mingling of blood. This represented the mingling of life coming together because the life is in the blood. So sometimes they would cut, they would join, they would drink uh, wine and pour some, they would cut, cut, pour some, some blood in there and then both partake and finish the wine with the blood in. And it meant the two and now become one. There was an exchange of names. That's why there's an exchange of names of marriage. That's why Abram was Abram. A-B-R-A-M. And when he came into covenant with Yahweh, Yahweh, the H and the A from Yahweh went into his name and his name became Abraham. And Sarai became Sarah. Why? Their names changed after covenant. There's an exchange of gifts. When you see Jonathan and, um, and David cutting covenant, you see how Jonathan hands over his weaponry, his robe, and he hands over his stuff to David when they cut covenant. There's a covenant meal. They would share a meal that would mainly be dealing with bread and wine. And the bread was a representative of my wealth, my possessions. Everything that I have, I give to you and we swap vice versa. And the wine was representative of life. Saying that whatever I have till my death will I ensure that every promise and vow that I have made will come to pass in this covenant. Number nine, there's a witness or a memorial event. You'll find many times the Lord says, okay, pack up stones 
and leave it there so that when the people come back, they can see. You'll see uh, when Abraham cut covenant with Abimelech, he says, we're going to plant a tree. In Africa, when they cut covenants throughout in the book of E.W. Kenyon, you'll read it. It says that many times when they cut covenant, David Livingston, I think Stanley, they would cut covenant and they would plant a tree as, to signify as a sign, as a memorial of the covenant that was cut between him and him. And I mean, even in Africa, if you read some of the stories that I went to read this week, or just uh, Stanley, when he came into Africa in those years, and um, he came to look for Livingston, and when he came in, it says that, that he had to cut covenant to the tribe, and he refused for a while, and then he realized he can't move in Africa because they, they are warlike people. So what's he going to do? He went to the biggest tribe, and he cut covenant with that chief. And they went through the ceremony and went through everything, the drinking of blood and blah, 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 blah. And he says, okay, now it's the time for exchanging of gifts. He says, give me your goat. This man was so sick. The goat was the only thing that he had. That goat's milk was the only thing he could drink to keep him alive. But you have to give that. He gave the goat and the king gave him something that's like this thing wound with a, a staff, wound with copper and had some sign on it. And he was like, I'm being shortchanged here. But wherever he went, when he lifted up that thing, they didn't see him. They saw that tribe. They saw the strongest tribe in Africa and he could get access to wherever he wanted to go just because of the covenant that he cut with the king at that time. So in scripture, you'll find many co covenants that were cut, right? You'll find many covenants in the old and then there's the one, it's the new covenant. It's the better covenant with better promises that comes in the New Testament. But there were two major types of covenant. The one was a parity covenant, and the other one was promissory. I know I'm teaching a lot this morning, but I just want to lay the foundation. Parity covenant is where two people of the same power come together to form covenant. So you'll find that two kings would come together. They both have a similar size army, and they had to go up against each other. They don't really know who will win because they have similar power and strength. They would cut covenant because the loss of war would be far too much to take. Are you with me? So they were of equal power and came together and created and formed a bigger power. The other one is a promissory contract, which is a covenant, which is where, where you have what's called, let me read this before I get it wrong. It's between a suzerain, don't ask where they got these words from, and a vassal. A suzerain is basically somebody that was superior. A vassal is somebody that was servant. Are you with me? So it would be a king that had a huge kingdom and a little king who had a small kingdom. And instead of wiping out the smaller kingdom and then having to rebuild it, rebuild all those places, send, fam, send people from my kingdom there to repopulate the place, they would just cut a covenant with him. And say, okay, cool, I'll allow you to run the place the way you want to run it, but these are the certain things that you must adhere to. I will protect you, but you fall under me. Amen? And you see this even in Scripture. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 12. Stick with me, I'm going somewhere this morning. In Jesus' name. I really wanted to just get that into us so that we can understand the depth of covenant. Are you with me this morning? Because when, when, there's, a, when there's a mystery around this word, you're not going to experience the power that is attached to it. You won't walk in your covenantal rights if you don't even know what covenant is. Are you with me? You won't even know what you've entered into and the depth of what you've entered into. If we have a better covenant with better promises, why aren't we having a better life? 
Why don't we look different to the world if we have a better covenant with better promises? How can we be dealing with things the same way the world is dealing with stuff if we have a better covenant with better promises? You must look different. You cannot look the same. You can't be the same. You see what I'm saying? So the enemy reduces this word and this understanding in the minds of the church and the people of the church. Why? So that you don't live out of this place because he can do nothing against the covenant. God has bound himself to you and me through covenant. So Genesis chapter 12 is one. We're going to look at the Abraham account very quickly. I've got a lot of scripture, and I'm going to see what I am and what I am not going to go through. The guy's got my notes this morning, so let's go. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you, and you know you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, Abraham, Abraham is a God encounter. God says, I'm going to bless you. Abraham got no children, by the way. He says, out of you is going to be a multitude of nations. You, through you, I'm going to make you a spiritual system of blessing. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to make you the spiritual system of blessing that any person that comes and is coming from you, they can experience this blessing I'm putting upon you today. He says, this is the promise God makes him. He says, okay, cool. I experienced encounter. I'm leaving. He walks out. He's 75 years old. And then you go to Genesis chapter 15. So God gives him a promise, right? God says... I'm going to make your name great. Out of you, the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And I'm going to make you what? A great nation. So Genesis chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born from my house to be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came saying, Though this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and count the stars and number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. And it says, Abraham believed in the Lord. Listen to this. He says, Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham says, that word believe, he says, he fully committed himself to God. He fully gave his life over to God at that point. He says, I'm giving everything of mine to you. I'm believing you in what you're saying. And it says it was accounted to him as righteousness. Then he said, God said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Listen here. And he said, Abraham, just believe God, right? Verse 8, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? He said, how will I know? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each opposite each other. He did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun had gone down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said, Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. God's now prophesying and speaking to the future of Egypt. And he says, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, meaning you're going to die in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not to come. He say, this is going to happen. You're going to be buried with your fathers. They're going to go away into slavery. They're going to come back here and then they're going to take over this place that I'm promising is yours today in Jesus' name. 
and he came to pass in the sun went down and it was dark that behold there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces on the same day the Lord made covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants I have given this land from the river Egypt to the great river to to all those places God comes on the scene and he says no this thing's going to happen he says well, I don't even have a son he says no I'm going to give you a son somebody's going to be born from you he says okay cool it says Abraham believes God then he says okay I'm going to give you this land you can inherit this land am I talking fast he says, I'm going to give you this land. You can inherit this land. He says, okay. He says, but how will I know? He says, through covenant. God says, get me the animals. Why? Because covenant binds God to that word. He doesn't need to because God is not a man that he should lie. He cuts covenant so that man would partner and come into agreement with him. Are you with me? Here's the power. Here it says that it says that God cut on the same that the Lord made covenant with Abraham. That is in verse 18. If you read Genesis chapter 17, it says that God covenant with Abraham said, I'll multiply, multiply. Abraham was sleeping when the covenant was cut. It says that a burning oven and a torch went through. Many people believe, theologians believe that the burning oven was God Himself and the torch was Jesus. Are you with me? Passing through, God was cutting covenant with Himself. Hear me? And Abraham was the beneficiary. So this was not a promissory covenant. This was a parity covenant where two of the same power were coming together to form covenant. And basically as they were going through, he's just looking at Abraham and saying, you're going to be blessed. You're blessed. I'm going to do this thing for you. You don't have to worry about nothing, but it's going to come to pass in your lifetime. I'm telling you what's going to happen, but I am covenanting with you. To show you that the power of God is going to come in your life. And whatever I say today is coming to pass. Amen. In Hebrews 6, 13 to 18 it says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by. That word swear there in the Greek it says, No one greater to make an unbreakable promise by. God when he spoke that thing, it may, he made an unbreakable promise. He couldn't reverse it because he cut covenant with man. And God took an oath by in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Think about it. He's resting. They cut in covenant concerning his future. And God's saying, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> I'm going to make your name great. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. You're going to be a great nation. And God bound himself to perform that word in his life. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out. Listen. And their cry came up to God because of bondage. So God heard their groaning and did what? And remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's the thing. God says in the covenant, he cuts with Abraham, he says it's going to be 400 years, they're going to be in bondage, right? This is after about 430 years that this thing is taking place, so 400, 430 years. I'm sure they must have cried out before. 
One, this is a long time in bondage and to be a slave. I'm sure they must have cried out before. I'm sure they must have said, your Lord. You know what I mean? But I'm sure there must have been some that were timing this thing. That were aware of the covenant. And as they cried out to God, God remembered the what? The covenant. It wasn't their cry. Please hear me. You can cry as much as you want to. But if that cry is not bedded in the covenant, it means nothing. They cried to God. God says, because I remembered my covenant. Go to the next verse. So God heard, no, 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 go back one, sorry. So God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. Exodus 19 and 3 to 6. So God delivers them, hear me. The miracles that transpired to deliver a nation. Now I, I know, for many of us when we read the word of God, sometimes to imagine the stuff that actually took place, I don't even think we can comprehend to a great degree. You know what I mean? God's really got to open up your mind to see it a certain way because if you had to take South Africa as a nation, how big would a miracle have to be in order to affect everybody in the nation? Think about it. It didn't just affect the church. It affected a nation. That those plagues that came through one man telling him, Pharaoh, Moses telling Pharaoh, this is going to happen. Him saying, no, everybody experiences it. And then the people that live in Goshen don't. Just think about it. It's a nation. This is not, not me experiencing something, coming to church, jumping and testifying. This is something you cannot deny because it's everywhere. And only one people, one group of people don't get touched. It was covenant. You know me, Pharaoh could have done anything that he wanted to do. The enemy can stand on his head. He can jump up and down. But if the covenant is in place, God is faithful and just to perform that word. You know me, everything from heaven will come and back you when you stand up in the covenant. I don't care what devil is standing before you. I don't care what they said against you. I'm come to tell you that if you bring the covenant promises of God before heaven and before earth, everything in heaven and earth will support and bring it to pass because God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent if he said it he will do it it didn't matter what Pharaoh said because that word and that promise that he made was coming to pass whether you like it or whether you don't supernatural miracles and then even when they went to go fetch the money the Bible says the men didn't even go. The ladies went. Come on, ladies. The Bible says the women went and knocked on their doors and said, Give me all your gold, all your silver, everything of value in your house, you give it. And in one night there was a wealth transfer. Not because of anything else. Because of covenant. God says you're going to come out with what? He said to him, he says, they're going to come out with great possessions. That word must come to pass. It must come to pass. Exodus 19, 3 to 6, and Moses went up to God. And the, so now they've come out, they're going now, they're at Mount Sinai, 
Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So now we're dealing with how they've come out, they're standing in a place. God says, if they will keep my ordinances, are you with me? Then I'm going to do this thing. So this is now a parity covenant. Not a parity, sorry, a promissory covenant. God is saying, under this covenant, because after this he gives the Ten Commandments, he says, if you do, then I do. Are you with me? It shifts. God says, if you do, then I will do. They say, no, we will do all that you tell us to do. Stick. This is a promissory covenant. But the problem with this covenant was that there was an if and a then. God had to change it. Are you with me? With that in mind, when God institutes this covenant, if when they violated the covenant, what was the only way out? Death. So God then brings in the atonement. He says, okay, let's get a priesthood. Let's bring in an atonement. Let's bring in a sacrifice to help these people because they can't keep this covenant. And so every time they brought a sacrifice with the priest before God, and the sacrifice was accepted, their misbehavior or their misconduct concerning that covenant was covered. And therefore they could experience the blessing of the covenant, not because of what they did, but because of the atonement that God had made available to them. So God who is rich in mercy, even under the law, made a way for them to get out. Come on. Even under the law, made a way. Because death was the only outcome. Are you with me? Death was the only outcome. And God says, yes, we're going to set up this atonement. The atonement sacrifice is going to make a way for you so that you can still experience the blessing that comes with this covenant. That's why Deuteronomy 28 says what? It says, if you do, then I do. It says, but if you don't, then you live under this curse. And then he says, even though this is instituted, I'm going to give you the opportunity, bring a sacrifice. When you bring a sacrifice, we will cover, not take away, we will cover your sin. Are you with me? And allow you to experience the blessing of the covenant, even though you were unable to keep it. So God then has to change the thing. Are you with me? Because this, that covenant I'm telling you now is not the better covenant with better promises. Are you with me? It's not the better covenant with better promises. And religion will always tell you to live by the law. Are you with me? Religion will tell you to live by the law. Religion will keep you in bondage and tell you that you've got to do certain things to get right with God. Because what was it? All you wanted the atonement for was for what? To be in alignment with the covenant. Because if you're in alignment with the covenant, the blessing is there. Are you understanding me? So let's go. What was the problem with the covenant? Hebrews 8, verse 10 to 12. 
there was a problem with the covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Next. None of them shall teach his neighbor. That's the wrong one. Not looking for that one. Hebrews 8 verse 7, sorry. I say. For if that first covenant had been faultless, and don't move from this scripture yet, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. He's saying, so if this first covenant, the one he did with Moses, was, was faultless, if it could work, then there would be no reason for a better covenant. Are you with me? Next one. What was the fault? Because finding fault with who? The people were the problem. It wasn't the Ten Commandments. There was nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments. They're holy. Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant. He didn't take it away. He didn't kick it to the curb. It still came from heaven. Are you with me? There was nothing wrong with the law. There was nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. There was nothing wrong with that covenant. The only problem with the covenant was us. We were the fault with the covenant because even though they were strong in themselves to say, we can do this thing, they faltered and failed immediately. If you go read the history, how many times they walked away from God and they went to bondage and they came out of bondage and they went to bondage and they came out of bondage. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Why? Because they looked to themselves to bring this thing to fulfillment. But because of what happened in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, they fell from that position of glory and became a sinful man who had, it was impossible for him to keep this covenant. It was impossible for man by himself to contain the righteousness that he needed in order to be in right standing with God. Amen. So the problem with the first, with that covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the first covenant was not the covenant itself. It's not the law. The law is not evil. The law only shows you the evil that's in you. Because the law is perfect. It shows you your imperfection. And because it shows you your imperfection, that's what it's designed to do. It shows you your imperfection for one reason and one reason only. To make you know that you need someone else to help you to become what God wants you to become. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Why? Because I could never uphold that law. The standard was way too high for a faulty man to uphold. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. Here we're going into the new covenant. Amen. Hebrews chapter 8. Do I need to move? Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. Go to 10. It says, For this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is a new one. He says, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Keep going. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother. Saying, Know the Lord for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. It says, I will remember no more. I'm going to come to it now. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6, it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of what? Of a better covenant which was established on better promises. You see, through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we enter into another parity covenant because God cut covenant with himself. Jesus was both divine and human at the same time. He was locked up in there. Are you with me? God cuts covenant with himself. And the same way Abraham experienced the blessing of the covenant is the same way we experience the blessing of the covenant. We did nothing. He did everything. 
He was the perfect atonement. He was the high priest. He was the mediator. And he cut the covenant. He did everything in order for us to step into something that you did not pay for. So in this covenant, there's a better covenant with better promises. Number one, there is true forgiveness of sin in this covenant. There's no covering of your sin. It's the complete forgiveness of your sin. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 verse 4 unto 4 says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. Would, not, would they not have ceased to be offered? That means if that sacrifice could make you perfect, you wouldn't need another sacrifice, but they would do it year in and year out. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remem- reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. Hebrews 10 verse 10 to 12 says, But that will, have be, that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Come on! Once and for all. His eternal blood shed once and for all and speaks forever. Hear me, when he dealt with sin, he didn't cover sin. He did away with it. He judged it and he paid the price for it forever. Your sin of yesterday, your sin of today, and the sin you still must sin has all been dealt with on the cross. Think about it. So now when you receive Christ in your life, and you blood washed and you're free. You have access to the covenant 24-7. Because nothing can disqualify you from the covenant. Because His blood is the only thing that qualified you. So if you're looking to yourself to make the covenant work, you're in trouble. He gives you a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Hear me. He says, how are you going to be obedient to me? Not because of you. I'm going to give you a new heart. And with a new heart, I'm going to put my spirit in you. So when you just submit to my spirit, then you can do the things that needs to be done. Isn't that powerful? You see, you're so worried about the law. Forget the law. The law is there. Yes, the Holy Spirit knows the law. Amen. So when I move now because of my relationship that I have with the Holy Ghost, He can tell me, don't do that and do that. He can tell me, step this way, don't step this way. He can tell me, walk this way, don't say that, say that, don't say How many of you, as you know, the worst thing in the world, the worst is being born again and sinning. Shoo. I did that for a couple of years. It was the worst thing in my life. Every time I went to church, which was maybe once a month, I got born again again. Because every time I did something wrong, I knew. This thing is like, and the Holy Spirit is like, yo, but you still do it. You know what I'm saying? And you override that thing. Yeah, you love in Allah, Jesus loves you. And you override that thing. You know what I'm saying? Why? It's the Spirit of God inside of you saying that you shouldn't be going there. Don't do that. Don't go down that way. Don't go to that person. And you have to consciously decide to override that thing. 
You have to consciously, you have to make a conscious effort. That's why when you come to church, you're permanently condemned. Yet there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the thing. The enemy will keep you there if you don't understand your covenantal rights. I had no idea. I thought I had to do everything right in order for God to be right with me, even as a born-again Christian. So every time I made one mistake, I couldn't come back. I struggled. Why? Because I had to continue on because now I messed up. Again. Yo, Brian, seriously. Again. Go to church. Hallelujah. Jesus, altar call. Until one day, I just surrendered. And I said, no more, man. Now, God, you do what needs to be done. Because every time you're looking at you, you're stepping outside of the covenant. But when I look to him, I stay in the covenant. Amen. He says, I put my spirit in you. He had to give you a new heart. Why? Because he had to make you holy in your spirit so that the Holy Spirit can be with you. Because the Holy Spirit can't be with an unholy person. Are you with me? But the Holy Spirit can dwell in a holy person. And you're only made holy and righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says, now therefore we are a new creation. I'm going to go past that. Another one in the better covenant, better promise. How much time have I got? Better covenant, better five minutes. It says, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, it says, so let us boldly enter the throne room of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and will find grace to help us in our time of need. Romans 3 and 11 in the Amplified says, even so consider yourselves also dead to sin and, to your, and your relation to it broken but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. Unbroken fellowship. That means everywhere you are, at every point in time, God is with you. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. And then lastly, promises. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For as many are the promises of God, they all find their yes, their answer in Him who is Christ. For this reason, we also utter amen. So be it to God through Him in His person and His agency. Hear me? Every promise, every oath that God needed to confirm is already confirmed in Christ. There is nothing from healing, deliverance, pro prosperity, soundness of mind. Everything that you need is found in that covenant and it's been applied and is yes in Christ Jesus. Here's the challenge. If we have all of this in the new covenant, if we have a better covenant with all of these things, yes and amen, this new life, why don't we see it being fully made manifest in our lives? When God even called him out in the book of Exodus, he says, I'm going to make you a peculiar people. What does it mean? It means you're going to look different from everybody else. You're going to live differently from everybody else. And I'm not talking about that little Bible, gee under your arm with that red red the red in the pages hair brushed a certain way that black suit with the white with a black suit white shirt black tie I'm not talking I'm not talking about that you're going to look but you're going to see God made manifest in every aspect of your life our marriages should be the best come on there's two little amens our marriages should be the best. Our family should be the strongest. Our children should be powerful in Christ. In a loving relationship with Jesus. 
our churches should be bursting at the seams for people to come and be trained and, and discipled in the things of God. Your business should be flourishing. Your employees should be in the thousands. You should have influence everywhere you go. Why? Because it's in the covenant. It's got nothing to do with you. It's a covenant promise. You see, the minute I must look to me, I'm in trouble. Because that's the law. But when I step into this covenant, a better covenant with better promises, I can walk in the fullness of what God has cut with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I can experience everything in the fullness of life that He's given. That's why He says, I have come to give you life. Life in abundance till the full, until it overflows. That life is in that covenant. So how do we get there? Yeah, I'm going to end with this. I'm really ending one. James chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. It says, but do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and he was accounted him to righteousness and he was called a friend of God. He says, there's works. You see, when we hear the word works, when we hear the word sacrifice, when we hear the word obey, when we hear some people, when they hear the word tithe, then they say, no, 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 that's under the law. See how quiet we now. Because the covenant is not a wish. God's not a genie. It's a partnership. It's a system that God puts in place. That when I act upon the covenant by faith, it's not an if situation. You hear me? Old covenant, if I do, God then does. New covenant, Jesus and God cut covenant and everything that needed to, every if that needed to be ifed, if that's even a word, was done in Jesus so that whatever needed to be done was done. T- Are you on the same page as me? So there's nothing that you can do that can change the outcome of the covenant. You can't affect it. You can't influence it. You can't change the fact that you're blessed. You can't change the fact that you're prosperous. You can't change the fact that you're healthy and whole. You can't change the fact that you're powerful in Him. You can't change the fact that He's written the Lord's Lord. You can't change it. But in order for you to live out of it, you have to appropriate it by faith. You see, I can preach about salvation and God has already paid the price for everybody's salvation. But only when you say yes to salvation, by faith can you receive what was already done. God didn't save you the day that you got saved. He didn't do the work that needed to be done for your salvation the day you said, yes, okay, now Jesus run to the cross quickly, die quickly, shed the blood, you know what I'm saying? And then finish, okay, now you can be saved. No, it was done already. But if I don't say yes, the Bible says, if you believe in your, and you confess with your, you see, faith plus works appropriates the covenant, and I can experience the blessing that is locked up in that covenant. Are you with me? You see, the Bible says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But if you don't die, If you don't tithe, how are you appropriating the fact that you're blessed? If you go to Genesis, let me do this now. Jesus. The Word of God is the best, man. 
Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. This covenant, he was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed him. He has the vows and whatever. Blessed be Abraham, God Most High. And God, what? And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He says, I bless you today. Leave it there. He says, I bless you. He says, Abraham, yeah, I'm putting the blessing. The blessing is on you. We're cutting covenant. It's on you. And then what does Abraham do? Then he tithes. He didn't tithe to get blessed. What came first? The blessing. Then the tithe. When you refuse to tithe, you refuse to acknowledge and activate the blessing upon your life. It's not that you're not blessed. But when I tithe, hear me spiritually, I'm not tithing to get blessed. You see, that's an if and then. Are you with me? It's not an if and then. It's already a then. When I tithe in the heavens, it's a declaration to state that I am the blessed of the Lord. And whenever I put my tithe down, hear me, the windows of heaven will manifest being made open for me. Are you with me this morning? It's the same for your healing. You, you know, we confess the word when I, when I was so sick with COVID and I thought, really thought I was going to die. And um, I was laying on my bed and I didn't know, it was like the third or the fourth day. That day was like the day I'm like, yo Lord, something must happen here. At the very same hour that I'm laying on my bed, Apostle Max starts praying for me. He says, God, this boy can't go now. And by faith, something stirs on the inside of me. Here's the thing. I'm still laying in my bed. At that time, I'm like, Lord, Lord, Lord I play Kenneth, Kenneth Hagen. The words, he said, the first thing he says, he says, if you believe you, you'll get up. Because faith without is dead. Did me getting up make me heal? No. It was my faith in the covenant that says, this thing can't stay with me. I cannot sit here and stay in this position because my covenant right says I am the healed of the Lord. And the minute I got up, healing started to break forth in my body. And it's the same with your giving. You see, you want financial increase, you can come up. In this system, it's through seed time and harvest. When you sow, you don't make God bring you something. Because in the seed is already the answer. So the Bible says God gives seed to a sower. That means He gives you increase by giving you seed. There's no person that sows an apple. Listen, when you sow an apple seed, when you sow that apple seed and you put it in the ground, it's not like when you go sleep, something, something else must happen and somebody must now somehow bring a tree and put a tree there for something to happen. No, that thing is in that seed. Are you with me? It's not law. It's grace. Grace says that I can give something. And then I can get a press down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall be poured into my bosom. Where are you going to get that anyway? To think you can start saving now for increase. It's not going to happen. I'm not saying don't save. Please hear me. I'm saying being purposeful about increase means that you must appropriate the covenant that God cut. He says, as long as the earth remains, so will see time as harvest. Galatians says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. The Bible says that you are blessed. It says that you are increasing every day. You're increasing 
more and more. That's in the scripture. That's your covenant right. Your covenant right says you should never have a deficit ever. Who? Tell your neighbor, you should never have a financial deficit ever. It's your covenant right. But if you don't appropriate it, it's not going to come to pass. I'm going to share a testimony with you. Last year, in December, God spoke to me before. He said, listen, I was thinking about, okay, what's happening in 2023? The Lord said, you don't, you don't ask me for nothing. What I want you to put down is tell me the amount, or tell me, give me a number for the seed you're going to sow next year. That's all I want. Don't tell me about the house. Don't, don't tell me nothing. Put a number, an audacious goal to sow the biggest seed you've ever sown in a year. Put it down for a year. I said, okay, cool. I put the number down. Those said, okay, no, that's it. You don't deal with anything else. Holy Spirit said to me, think about it. A press down, a shaking together, and a running over on that means what? Are you with me? December comes. The Lord says, I've, I've, I say, okay, cool. This year, I want to sow the biggest seed I've ever sown. I've got a figure. Got the number. I say, okay, cool. I'm going to sow the seed. But now it's almost December. Are you with me? It's December. Okay. It's December. It's like December. Okay. So, I got the seed in my account but there's more money that's supposed to come in through another deal that I did. So I'm waiting for the money. The Lord said, I didn't tell you to wait for the money. I said, sow the seed. I found Aaron. I said, Aaron, babe, Lord said, said, okay, cool, let's do it. The Lord said, and it's very specific. I'm sharing this now with you in church. The Lord said, sow it to Apostle Max for a very specific reason. I said, okay, cool, I'm going to do it. I found Apostle. I said, Apostle, please, can I come see you today? Apostle thought I'm coming to tell him that I had another child. That's, that's how intense. <laughs> Don't clap. That's how intense. That's how intense it sounded when, I, like, for this meeting, like, you know, I need to just do this thing. We sowed the seed. It wasn't even a month, eh? I think it was less than a month. Something came through supernaturally. That seed that was my biggest seed I've ever sown was the tithe of what came through. Because in the covenant, when I sow, I will reap. I appropriate the covenant of increase and the covenantal rights of increase when I sow my seed. You want that open windows of heaven above your life? You want God to pour such a blessing that you don't have enough room to contain? It starts with your tithe. Are you with me? Because when I don't tithe, it means that I don't see myself as blessed. That means I don't understand and appropriate the covenant the way that I'm supposed to. Amen. It's so simple. Don't you think? It just opposes the system that you come from. That's why you struggle. You see, even the reason why we're here today, one man had to say, I'm willing to sacrifice. Because if he didn't, the covenant wouldn't come into effect and the church wouldn't be where it is today. Somebody had to do something to appropriate what God wanted to have done. Are you understanding me this morning? There's a move, there's a step that you must take. 
to appropriate the covenant of God in your life. There's nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. Hear me. You have all that you could ever need and want and desire in this covenant to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for your life. There you are short of nothing from healing, wholeness, strategies, uh, uh, soundness of mind. Everything that you could ever need is found in this new covenant, which is a better covenant with better promises. But it's time as the church for us to get up and appropriate what God is calling us to do in this season. Hear me. You will never be able to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God of your life if you don't understand this covenant and if you don't walk in it because the vision God has got for you is way too big for you to be able to do it in your own strength. Your protection, your provision, the position of influence, your position spiritually is all locked up in this covenant and it was all done between God and His Son. And I only have to step in it by faith. Amen. You can stand this morning. Anybody that's coming up against you, you have a covenant right with God. For your children, for their protection, Psalm 91, you read the covenant. Come on. That's why, hear me, why do you think the enemy doesn't want the people to get to the word? Because the word is your covenant right. If you don't know the word, you don't know your rights. How many of you know the full constitution? You don't know your rights. Are you with me? When you understand the constitution of the word of God, you know your rights. Healing is your portion. Hear me. Deliverance is your portion. With long life, He will satisfy you. Are you with me this morning? Increased prosperity and divine provision is your portion. Nobody in the kingdom should be working for another person. People should be working for you. Not because of anything, because you have an opportunity to minister to those people in every form and fashion when you're in the position of influence and leadership. Are you with me this morning? As a church, we need to make a fresh commitment to go and understand this covenant. A fresh commitment to build on this covenant. A fresh commitment to God and to His Word to say, God, I'm coming after you in the season. Hear me, all of this was done because of God's love for you and me. The covenant, the better covenant, is an expression of God's love for you and me. And He wants us to live in it. He wants us to walk in it. It's His desire, it's His plan, and it's His purpose. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and eye closed. Saints are praying. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't received Him into your life. That means you don't have ex- access to this covenant. Or you say, you know what, Pastor B, I prayed that prayer before, but I feel like I'm so far away from God right now. Then don't run away from Him, run to Him in the season. Just make a fresh commitment to God, a fresh connection to God in the season. If that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Oh, you once said the sinner's prayer, but you know that you need to make right with God this morning. Now I want to pray for you. If that, you just lift up your hand very quickly. I head bowed, eyes closed, people praying. Just lift up your hand very quickly. Say, Pastor B, that's me. I see your hand. Pastor B, I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Look at me quickly. If that's you, if you lifted your hand, or should have lifted just come to the front. I want to pray with you. Just come, just come, just come. By faith. Come, just move, just move, just come. 
say something. Look how powerful and precious this is. The Bible says that for one soul, heaven rejoices. For one soul, heaven is having a party right now for the souls that have been What God's going to do in this next season of your life. You don't even know what's in you and what's on you. I'm excited for your future. It's very simple. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You'll be saved. Every head bowed, eye closed, you can bow your head. You can just repeat on me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you're the son of God. That you came down from heaven. Died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. You rose again three days later so that I can have life. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me in your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen and amen. Hallelujah! never be the same again. The greatest miracle that can ever take place is this miracle right here. Because the Bible says you're brand new. You're no longer the same. And from today, hear me. You don't even know what's on you. You don't even know the size of the destiny God has got for you. You have no clue because He's called you for greatness. He says, I will make your name great. God's going to do a special work inside of you to bring you to all that He has. In Jesus' name. Please just be so kind. If you can just go with Jonah, he's going to spend two minutes with you. But before that, we can have communion together. So if you can just go with Jonah, Jonathan, sorry, let it please. Amen. This is what I wanted to say. You see, when 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 you understand covenant, can I say this quickly? When you understand covenant, the things that you're praying for, you shouldn't be praying for. You see. You praying for money. Money don't come through prayer. You appropriate it by faith in the covenant. Are you with me? Our prayer and our fasting should never go for the things. Because God don't answer your your provision through your prayer. Are you understanding me? He's given you a system to create the provision for you. We should be praying for souls. You see, heaven, heaven don't celebrate when the business deal come through. They don't celebrate. It's part of the covenant. But they celebrate when another soul is saved. Our prayers and our fasting should be for breakthrough upon our city and our community. We should be fasting and praying for souls to come in north, south, east and west. We should be praying for people to be transformed into the image of Christ. But we're wasting our time on so many things because we refuse to do what we need to do by faith to appropriate the covenant in our lives.
Amen? Amen. Let's go to, we're going to take communion quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Now you can see how significant this evening was when Jesus was sitting with the disciples. He says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take it, this is my body. Remember, we're dealing with the components of covenant. He says, what does it mean when you're breaking bread? He says, everything that I have is yours. Not like they had anything to give back, but anyway, and everything that they had was his, you know what I'm saying? But the reality is that everything that is in Christ is yours. Him breaking the bread, none of them questioned what he was doing. None of them said, you know, how many times he did something and he said, teacher, master, please help us understand what was that all about. They never asked about this, why? Because they understood covenant. They knew what was happening. When they partook of it, they were partaking, they were taking healing, wholeness, deliverance, every provision from Jesus in the kingdom. So when you partake today and you're remembering the covenant, you're saying what? You're saying when I eat this bread, everything that Christ has, I now have. Amen. The blood, it's the life. Amen. Jesus did everything that he could. He gave up his life to fulfill the promise and the oath that God had made. Amen. You and I have life. The newness of life. The Zoe life. Because he gave it to you. Our lives are no longer separate, but we are one with Christ. Amen. Receive. Father, I thank you that as we remember your covenant this morning. And Father God, as we come before your throne, that we remind it today of your goodness. We remind it today, Father God, of the covenant promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father God, that liberty, freedom, breakthrough will be the portion of this house in this season in Jesus' name. Wherever the enemy is being binding people, Father God, I thank you that the liberty and the freedom will break forth now. Where people have been hounded, Father God, with sickness, disease, or trauma. I break that off from them today in the name of Jesus. I thank you that this church is rising up in this hour. That we are appropriating this covenant, this new better covenant by faith. And experiencing your goodness, your faithfulness on every side. I bless your people, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in the season in Jesus' name. We all agree and say Amen and amen. Please just go with Jonathan, spend a couple of minutes. Please be seated for the offering. I don't even need to share anything for the offering still. But you can only appropriate it by faith. Hear me. You can only appropriate it by faith. When you put your tithe into the basket this morning, you're not putting it in there to get blessed. You're doing it because you are blessed. Abraham gave him a tenth because he blessed him. Amen. Are you with me? The blessing is God's empowerment upon you to prosper. It's the anointing of God through which divine favor flows. 
The curse cannot come up against you because you'll experience the blessing wherever you go. Tithing is 101. Are you with me? It's the lowest level in your money. But as you tithe this morning, I'm expecting God to manifest that blessing over your life and over this house in Jesus' name. That's what you can walk with that expectation because you're appropriating what? The covenant. It's already done. When you sow your seed today, when you put your seed down, put it down with purpose. Say, God, I'm trusting you with this. I'm putting this thing in here, not just because I'm throwing a little change or something. No, you must be purposeful in your giving. Amen. You must be purposeful in your giving. You, this is the first year, and I just want to challenge you with this. The first year, I've documented my seed. Because I want to get to that number. I'm more, I'm just past a fifth of the number now. Of what I've asked God to sow this year. And I'm trusting God that I'm going to break that number. Amen. Why? Because I'm in covenant with Jehovah. I'm in covenant with Jehovah. Are you with me? It's a blessing to be giving people. It's a blessing to sow into people's lives. If that's what the Bible says, you are blessed to be a blessing. Come on. That's where we should live. That's where you're supposed to live. That's your covenant, right, as a child of God. There should be no lack, no insufficiency, no deficiency in your finances, but you must appropriate the covenant. Amen. As you put your tithe in this morning, as you put your seed in this morning, walk with an expectation that that covenantal promise of God for increase and blessing is going to be made manifest, not tomorrow, now in Jesus' name. Father, I speak a blessing over your people as they give and as they sow today, Father. Thank you that your covenant is working in our lives, oh God, and bringing things to pass in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, as the guy said, please this week just go onto the onto the page for Apostle 60th. Send your messages, record your videos. There's also a place there for you to sow your seed. If you want to sow into the man of God's life and just be a blessing to him. But this week, this month, we're celebrating. Amen. Amen. The church's birthday is tomorrow. Apostle's birthday is tomorrow. So we want to flood him even on Facebook tomorrow he's not here so we just want to let him know how much we love him amen it's a season of god's covenant making right everything that has gone wrong the reason why you need to know the covenant is so that when there's things in your life that don't line up with the covenant you must never accept it don't embrace anything that does not line up with the word of god 
healing is the only way. That's why any sickness or disease is not God's plan. It's not in the covenant, so I don't want it. Return to sender. Amen. Financial. Every aspect of your life, your family, your household, your home. It's in the covenant. Everything pertaining to your whole life, you'll find the promise, the oath, the blessing, the vow, the unbreakable promise of God. You'll find it in that covenant. It's time for us to appropriate it so the people, when they look at us, they may say, this is a peculiar people. Amen. Father, I speak blessing upon your people today. Anoint them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you that as we go forward in this week, Father God, that you will show us and show up, oh God, pertaining to your covenant and the promises that are locked up in there, Father God. As we come by faith in this season, I thank you that we can experience your love, your hand, your power on every side. And we'll walk free from every form of bondage and every limitation. I speak blessing upon blessing upon your people in this season in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen and Amen.